0: Well, good morning. We are in week number two of a four-part series. We're glad that you're here with us today. In my life, sometimes I don't pay attention to the details of things. Um, it's kind of like the user agreements. We just kind of spin by those and just click, okay, yeah, whatever, and then we do what we want. Um, I, uh, for instance, um, sometimes I don't check, or all the time, I don't check the air pressure of my tires, And then one day I walk out and they're like, one of them is like super low where the rim's like almost on the ground. I'm like, oh yeah, I probably should check the air pressure. But by then I've already got this ring worn on the outside of the tire. Right. And so like the rest of the tire is in great shape and perfect shape. Really? Like it has another, you know, 50,000 miles left in the rest of the tire, but the outside strip is all worn and there's like wires starting to come out. And so I've ruined the tire because I didn't pay attention to the details. And I lost like 75% of its useful life. I'm like, I should have paid attention to the details. Sometimes I get so caught up in my work that I kind of forget what's going on in family. And then maybe something happens and I realize, oh, I better pay attention, but maybe it's I'm already too late to help out or too late to to have any input or maybe the damage has already been done. And sometimes I'm so caught up with details of life and how crazy life can be that I don't pay attention to work like I need to pay attention to work. And then suddenly things can start falling through the cracks that I needed to pay attention to. That happens to me because life can be difficult to navigate and can be difficult to keep everything running and functioning the way it needs to run and the way it needs to function in our life, our relationships, our finances, simply just with anything related to life. But you know this life that I do have, it is a gift. It's a gift from God. His gift to me. Now I like this gift that Christ gives me. So here's the deal. God says, I will take, Harley, your failures. I will take all of your bad. I'll take all of your sin, all of your evil, all of your selfishness, all of your corruption, Harley. And I will forgive it. I will cleanse you and I will make you blameless as you stand before me. That's a good deal. It's a great deal. And so if that's the deal, then what's next? I mean, how do I figure out this life that I'm supposed to live? What comes after that, if that's the deal that God offers me? So now what? i got to figure out this life? So in order to do it, maybe in order for you to do it, maybe you talk to your friends and get some of their input. Maybe you talk to your family and get your family's input. Or maybe you... Listen to what they have to say. Maybe you take some of it. Maybe you listen to Dr. Phil to see if you can get your messed up family straight. Maybe you listen to Dr. Oz to see if you can get your your messed up health straight. And maybe you even go to church if you don't have anything else to do on a weekend and you say, I'll listen to Mr. Pastor Teachy Teachy and maybe he can help me out with something about God. There are so many things we can do. And to fill in all the gaps, we could read a book or two and that would help out. And if we feel some guilt, then maybe we'll even read several chapters out of the Bible and that will kind of suffice. And after we do all of those things, then perhaps, just perhaps, we might get some relief from whatever trouble we were having or maybe it will just shrink just enough so that it'll be a manageable problem now. But then eventually a new problem comes up, and so we go back to our system that fixes it. We talk to friends and we talk to family and get some advice. We listen to Dr. Phil and listen to Dr. Oz. We go to church on a free weekend. We read a book. We read several chapters out of the Bible, and then we wait, wait for the problem to fix itself or for it to shrink to a manageable le- level, and then we go back to life as normal. And after all, that is the agreement that we started with. Because for us, this is how life works. This is my user agreement with God. God, you do your part, and this is my part. Those are the terms that we gave God. God, you forgive my sin. You give me an eternal relationship with you. You give me a new start. After all, you died on the cross. I'm grateful for that. But I will live my life. However, if I do run into some problems, God, I will talk to my friends, talk to my family, listen to Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, go to church if I'm free on a weekend, read a book perhaps, read several chapters out of the Bible, and if the problem fixes itself or shrinks to a manageable level, that's good, but if not, I will come to you. That is our user agreement many times with God. Now, but there's a problem with that. The problem is God owns the operating system. The problem is God owns the software. He paid the price on the cross. Therefore, God gets to set the terms of the user agreement, not me. He makes the purchase. He says, here is the agreement that we are making. I'm going to hold up my part of the agreement, God says, but let's agree to some things. Let us agree to some things. God says, this is my user agreement. You have been using your user agreement, and you thought that was okay, but the reality is, no, 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 that's, that's not okay. God says, we need to go with my agreement. So at this point, God sends in his IT guy, He gets a hold of his geek squad and he sends him in with a new user agreement to this church that he is talking to. And we find it in the book of Colossians chapter two, and we're going to start with verse two. This is God's plan. This is the picture. God would say, this is what I want. To see happen. He gives it to us in verse number two. I want them, and he's talking about a group of believers, this church. He says, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God, that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Verse three, in him, that's in Christ, lie hidden All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In other words, Paul is saying this. Please, can we agree to this? Paul says, can we please agree to this? Let's stick to the truth. Let's just stick to the truth. Verse 4. He says, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you. That is not the truth. He said, so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. It's as if Paul is saying, listen, friends, where, where are you going for your truth? No, no really, really, where? To, to whom or to what? Where are you going for truth? And he says, let's agree to this. Let's agree to stick to God's truth. Not to well-crafted arguments that make sense to you. Not what other people are saying and you say, well, that sounds pretty good. Maybe I'll try it. No, 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 no. He said, let's stick to God's truth. Can we agree on this? In other words, this user agreement says we're going to stick to God's truth. Then he gives us the next part of the user agreement. Here's what he says. He says, I want you to agree to grow deep into Jesus. And follow him and build your life on Jesus and Jesus alone. He tells us this in verse 6. Let's go there. And now, just as you accepted Christ, Jesus, as your Lord, you must continue, which means day by day, moment by moment. It's not a one-time thing that says, yeah, I'll be a Jesus follower. Sign me up. That's for me. No, he says day by day, moment by moment, continue to follow him. He's saying, keep on following. This is not something you do just when you get in trouble, just when things go wrong and you say, well, maybe I need to go to church. Maybe I need to do something spiritual, something religious. Maybe I feel like I need to get in touch with God. What can I read? What, what do I need to do? He said, no, no, no. This is day by day. Keep following. Don't stop. Don't take a me weekend. Don't take a me day or, or a me week or a me month or a me year. He said, keep following God. Day by day. And he's, it's like he's asking the church, he's saying, like, do you agree? Do you agree to this? Because this is God's user agreement, not ours. Now, he's not going to force you to take on his user agreement. He's not going to force you to agree. He's simply going to tell you this is how it works. And then Paul goes on, verse 7. Let your roots grow down into him. God's word, Uh, when we let our roots grow deep into Christ, into his words, by saturating our lives with his word, by working, not just bringing words in and letting them go out our mind, in our eyes and out our mind. No, no, no. He says, I want you to understand his scriptures and then you can live his word. By letting your roots grow down into him. And then he goes on. And let your lives be built on him. Day by day. Moment by moment. Building our lives on Jesus. That's what he's saying. Not building our lives on what we want. Or what our heart is chasing after. No, no, no. He's talking about a walking, talking listening relationship with Jesus day by day. You can sum that up in one word and call it prayer. And then Paul gives us the result. If we will do this, if we will agree to this, here's what's going to happen. He says in in his word, last part of verse 7, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now here's what I, I, I get confused. Because if Paul and God are telling me that if I will let my roots grow down into Him, if I will follow after God, if I will let my life be built upon Jesus, then my faith is going to grow strong and I, I will overflow with thankfulness. That's the result. And then I look at my life and I say, is that the result of my life? Is that, what, is that what's going on for me? That my faith is really becoming strong and that my life is overflowing and exuding thankfulness? Or, is my faith just okay? And my life overflowing with exuding frustration? Is my life overflowing and exuding bitterness, anger? What's coming out of my life? If it is not what Paul is talking about here, I think it may mean that I have the wrong user agreement. I think it it may mean that I have been operating life on my terms in my way and saying, God, I I hope that you'll be okay with this. I'm going to do this. I think what it means is that my roots have grown down, but they've been shallow, but they are growing into the wrong thing. Maybe I have my roots growing into something, anything other than Jesus. Anything other than Jesus. And maybe then what comes out of my life is frustration and bitterness. Maybe Paul is saying, Harley, friends, check what's coming out of your life because maybe you have the wrong user agreement. Maybe you're still functioning under yours. And Paul is saying, please, 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 let's go with God's. He continues. He says, I want you to agree. I I want you to agree. I I want you to agree to compare everything you hear and everything you see. Agree to compare that with the teachings of Jesus. Here's how he words that in verse 8. He says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking. And then he says, it also comes from here, from the spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. It's as if Paul is saying, listen, friends, will you please stop going everywhere around you for wisdom? He's saying, you're going everywhere, listening to everyone except going to Jesus. He says, if you do hear something from someone else, you hear some wisdom, some bit of information from someone else, some encouragement, some, some, hey, maybe this is what you should do. If you hear something from someone else, then don't compare those things, what you're hearing. Don't say, well, that sounds good to me. Or, I I, look, it kind of works for them. Maybe it'll work for me. Or, I like what I hear. That sounds good. He says, no. He says, don't compare it to what you think about it or what other people are saying about it. Don't just read the reviews and then say, yeah, I think I'll do that. He said, no, 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 no. Take what they are saying and compare it to Jesus and what he says. You see, we've had this this habit that we have developed. It's a bad habit. It's a habit of listening to everyone around us and ignoring what God says about it. No wonder our lives seem to be these cycles of frustration, as if we are chasing our tails round and around and around getting advice from other people who are chasing their tails and it's like oh it kind of seems to be working for them they caught their tail and we chase our tail the same way they chase their tails. And then someone comes to us and says, well, I don't know what to do. What do you think they tell us their problem? And we say something to them like this. Well, well, I think you need to do this. Or we say, well, when that happened to me, this is what I did. And then they say, well, that sounds good. So now they begin chasing their tail the same way we chased our tail. And Paul is saying, please, please, church. He's saying, stop, please stop chasing Your tells stop, he says, and listen to God first. And if in the process you do hear something else around you, take that and compare it to what God says in his word. Paul is like, guys, aren't you getting dizzy? He says, come on, people. Stop chasing your tail the way they're chasing their tail. He says, can we agree to that? Let's take it all, everything we hear to God and compare it to what he says. And then here's a big one. He's going to say, will you agree to this? Will you agree to not dethrone Christ by the way that you live and by the decisions you make? Here's how he words it in verse 9. He says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Here's what he says by that. That's a big sentence. Let me tell you what that means. In other words, he's saying God chose himself to step out of heaven and to put on the flesh of man. That's Jesus. You see, God chose to take himself, all of his godness, and cram it into a body. That's Jesus. Paul is reminding us, Jesus is God. And then Paul says, it is God, it's Jesus, who makes you complete. Verse 10, here's here's where he goes. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler And every authority. He's saying Jesus is king. Now, last week we reminded you, just as we did here, that Jesus is God. But he says, you know what comes with that? Jesus is king, authority, ruler over everything. And everyone, every ruler that has existed, that exists now, or that will exist in the future, Jesus is an authority over them, a ruler over them. So Paul says, for you and me, he says, now, keep Jesus as your king, as the top Not as your backup plan. Keep Jesus as your boss. Not as your emergency exit. Keep Jesus as your authority. Not as your last chance advisor. He says, can we agree to this? Let's not dethrone Jesus by the way that we live and the decisions we make. Keep him as your king. And then he says now, can we agree to this? Can we agree to remember what Jesus has done for us? Verse 11. He says, when you came to Christ, remember this, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised. And he's saying, oh, but hang on, hang on, don't run out. Not by a physical procedure. See, he's talking to non-Jews. He's talking to Gentiles. He's like, wait, 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 I'm not going to make you get circumcised. Hang on, don't run out. You were circumcised. Circumcised. You see, there were people in their church who were telling them, you need to follow Jesus. That's a must. You have to do that. But then they said, but you also must be circumcised. They were saying it takes both. You can't just do one. You've got to follow Jesus. Yes, that was good. But now you have to be circumcised or none of this is any good. It takes both. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Listen, guys, that is not what God requires. That is not God's plan. The death and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was enough. Nothing, he says, absolutely nothing needs to be added to that. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. Because after all, he says what Jesus did was complete. And then he goes on to say it it was kind of like a circumcision itself. Not a physical one, but a spiritual one. Here's how he words it. Paul goes on, Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away. He said the cutting away of your sinful nature. Paul said, all you need to do is submit to Jesus and you are good to go. When you submit to Jesus, he says, you're in God's family. When you submit to Jesus, you are on his team. In the Old Testament, to get in the family, to get on the team, you had to be circumcised. Paul said, no, this was Jesus did it for you spiritually. You're on his team. Just submit to Jesus. Verse 12. And here he describes it. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Now, this is so cool. He's saying, listen, church friends, remember I-, I want you to remember what Jesus did for you. He's saying, remember when you were baptized? Paul is saying that was a picture of what Jesus did for you. It, it wasn't a magical ceremony it- no 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 it was it was an amazing picture of what Jesus did in your life. Through your baptism he's saying you are telling the world you are a follower. Of Jesus, He says for you were buried with Christ. See the act of baptism when you're standing in the water and you go under the water it's a picture of Jesus when he died and he was buried in the tomb for three days. When you go under the water, it's a picture of Jesus dying and going to the grave. But you know what else? It's also a picture of you dying to your old self, dying to your old operating system, dying to your old user agreement, dying to that sinful nature, that old self. He said, remember that picture. He said, when you were baptized and... With him, you were raised to new life. So when you come up out of the water in baptism, we don't hold you under three days, thankfully. When you come up out of the water in baptism, it's a picture of Jesus walking out of that tomb with his heart beating again. He did not come out as a ghost, as a spirit. He came out. He walked out physically alive. And it's a picture of that. He said, remember, remember what he did. But here he says, you were raised, you were raised to new life. He says, it's a picture of you coming up out of the water. And just as Jesus had the power to walk out of that tomb from God, God now has the power to bring you new life. And it's a picture of what Jesus is at work doing in your life right now. If you're a believer, he is at work right now bringing you that new life, that new creation, making you that new creation. When you get baptized, it's a picture of you dying to yourself. It's a picture of Christ dying on the cross. When you come up out of the water, it's a picture of Jesus walking out of that tomb alive, and it's a picture of you being raised to new life. You see, Paul says the very same thing that we just read here in Colossians. He says it again in the book of Romans. I'm going to ask you to read it. It's going to be on the screen for you on this video. Watch this video. Paul goes on in verse 13. In verse 13 he says, You were dead because your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut Away, he says, then God made you alive in Christ, for he forgave all your sins. Verse 14 now, he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Verse 15, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Paul is saying Jesus was victorious at the cross. Jesus, his life, he said, don't make a mistake. His life was not taken from him in a tragic act. He said the cross was God's greatest triumph and nothing can be added to that. It was planned and orchestrated by God. It was not taken from him, his life. No, Jesus gave his life and laid it down. And when he walked out of the grave, he defeated death, completed the payment for sin, fulfilled every requirement of the law for you and for me because we could not fulfill it ourselves. He fulfilled the law for you, and now you are not bound by that law any longer if you have submitted your life to Jesus. Paul says, I want you to agree Agree that you won't take your focus away from your relationship, your daily walking, talking, living relationship with Jesus, and instead put it on rules and religion. Verse 16, here's how he words that. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. He's referring to these religious rules, these laws. Don't let them condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or the new moon ceremonies or even the sabbaths. Verse 17, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself, he says, is that reality. He says all of these rules and ceremonies, they point to Jesus. But they're only shadows of Jesus. You want the real thing, not the shadow. And the real deal is Jesus himself. And then he goes on. Paul is saying, listen, will you agree with me? Don't let people add things to God's word. And don't let them make you, require you to do those things that they add. Here's how he words it in verse 18. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial. These were things that they were told to do. Or through the worship of angels. Or saying that they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. In other words, he's saying, don't let these people make up things for you to do. Because when people follow those made up things, when they follow them, then these people get arrogant. And they make you think that they are super holy. And Paul goes on to describe this type of person more, verse 19. And they are not, he says, they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. He says, these people that are convincing you to do these things and making themselves look super holy, like holy, holy men, they're not even connected to Jesus, they're just pretending. And then Paul reminds us how this Christ-following life, if that's not what it is, here's how it really works. He goes on, he says, for he, that's Jesus, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. He's saying as God's word goes into your life, As you read those words and begin to understand His Word, God gives you what you need to grow. You don't need that medicine man type person. You don't need that magic man. He says, you need Jesus and you need God's Word. Verse 20, he says, you have died with Christ And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of the world such as? Then he gives, he lumps them all into examples like like don't handle, like all these rules about don't handle this, don't handle this. And then he says don't taste, all these rules about don't taste this, don't eat this. And he says about all these rules about don't touch this before you do this and don't he says what why are you listening to these self-help gurus he said verse 22 such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them in other words the very moment you're using these things they're falling apart verse 23 these rules may seem wise Because they require strong devotion and pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline. He says these things you do that they're asking you to do, they may make you look different. And they may get you a few fans along the way. And they may impress some people. You might even get a little healthier, gain some muscle mass or some tone. You might even appear to be spiritual to some other people with some of these things that they're doing. But Paul warns, Listening to these people, you will never get done what only God can do Himself. And He tells you what that is in the very next line. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. So what does all of this mean for us today? Paul is saying, why? Why? why keep trying to add things for you to do when Jesus and his death on the cross was enough? That was it, period. He said, why? Why do you claim to have submitted your life to Jesus and become a Christian? Why? Why do you claim that? When the reality is you only go to him when you need him to fix something. He says, why? Why are you listening to others who claim to have this secret of a powerful life? When the reality is the all-powerful king is waiting to live in you. And this king, this Jesus, he actually gives you his word to allow you to know him better, to know him personally. And why are you getting to know everyone around you and listening to everyone around you instead of simply going to Jesus and his word first rather than going to him as your last resort? Paul says, friends, you have a bad user agreement with God. You have a user agreement that you have created, but the reality is the owner of life gets to create the user agreement. Will you use it the way he wants you to? Paul says, oh, that user agreement that you created, that you made up, you know, that old one. It says, I will go to Jesus when I need help. And I will go to Jesus when all else fails. But Paul says, that's not God's user agreement. You need a new one. God's user agreement says this. It all boils down to this. I will follow Jesus above all. I will grow deep in him alone. I will pursue him above all else. Jesus is my all. So, how can we adopt God's user agreement? How can we agree to his user agreement? We've created something for you, it's on the internet. You can get it at PowerPackOnline.com PowerPackOnline.com If you forget that, don't worry, I'll have it on Facebook. I'll have a link for you. PowerPackOnline.com It is not a perfect tool, but here's what it can help with. If you do not already have a tool to help you in your living every day, moment by moment, walking, talking, living, listening relationship all day long with Jesus Christ, if you don't already have a tool, you may have one, and that's great, use that. But if you don't, then we have a tool to help you do that. It's called the Power Pack. It's online, it's all free, we put it there for you just to help you get to know Jesus Like that, moment by moment, all day long. And it helps you in your walking, talking, living relationship with Jesus. And it also helps you as you grow your roots deep into Him through His Word. It'll help you with that too. It's not a perfect tool. But Paul is saying, can we agree to this? Please, can we agree to this? Let's do away with our user agreement, our terms, saying, God, this is what we will do. You do what you do, and we will do what we do. No, 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 no. Paul is saying, will you do away with that, and will you do life according to God's user agreement? Maybe this week you'll take a step in that direction. None of us do that perfectly. But the Power Pack online, or another tool that you have, maybe that's what will help you do it. In your daily walking, talking, living, listening relationship with Jesus, and growing your roots deep into His Word, let's go with God's user agreement. Let's pray. God, so often we have done things on our own terms, in our own way, God, we have been thankful for what you did for us on the cross, but we have said, but I will take it from here, and I will live my life on my terms, my way. I will come to you when I need help. But God, you've said that's not the way life works. God, you desire a new agreement with us. You desire us to follow you. You desire us to follow you above all else. You desire us to grow our roots deep into Jesus in your words alone. You want us to pursue you above all else. You want us to be at the place in our lives where we can honestly say, Jesus, you are my all. And this morning, many of us desire to take steps in that direction. And God, we need your help to grow our roots deep into you. We need your help to keep you on the throne in our lives. Jesus, we ask these things in your name, in your name alone. Amen.